You're listening to the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. With me, as always, is the Director of Technical Service, Mr. Paul Jamis. Paul, hey, how's it going? It's going all right, Jack. Before we get too lost in this, let me go through. I know we've been hitting it at odd times every week as we come through. You can reach us at technicalservice at carboline.com. Jack's on Twitter at Jack underscore CTSP. I'm at Paul underscore CTSP. And really, use those. Send us some messages. Give us some topics. EHS doesn't want us to have any fun, Paul. No, they really don't. They keep putting the kibosh on everything that we try to do. I think we're going to have to go outside here on the roof. I, I, at lunch, I went and grabbed a watermelon. All right. All, all right. right, all right. And so I, I grabbed some of my kids' sidewalk chalk, and on the sidewalk I wrote the names of our possible topics. So those topics are going to be the corrosion cell, organic zinc, synonyms for fancy, and fusion bonded epoxy. All right, it sounds like a great combination. And even better, I don't have to watch for flying projectiles this time. I will be on the roof with you. Yeah, we'll see what EHS has to say about this one. We are now outside on the roof. But what we're going to do is go ahead and throw this watermelon here off the roof. Paul, are you ready? I am ready, Jack. All right, here we go. One, two, three. three. Oh. All right. What do we? Well, it kind of covered I don't know. a couple. That was a bigger mess than I, I was. I expecting can still it to be. see synonyms for fancy, so I guess it's not that one. Fusion bonded epoxy still legible. So, oh, there's organic zinc. So we must be talking about the corrosion cell today. It's, it's got to be. That's the only one I can't read from here. All right. So let's go back inside here, and we'll uh, go ahead and get going on the corrosion cell. I think maybe on the way. Um, I think Bill just presented to the local NACE chapter about this. Maybe we should grab him and bring him in here. That sounds like a great idea. He gave a great presentation at NACE, so let's get him in here with this one. All right, so now we're back in the studio, and we have William Sewell, uh, who's also a tech service engineer here at Carboline. Uh, one of the questions people ask me the most about William is, does he go by William? Does he go by Will? Does he go by Bill? Because literally everybody calls him something different. I call him Bill. Uh, I usually call him Bill. I don't know. that. I think I've heard a couple of people call him Will. But ironically, I call him Bill, but when I send him an email, I usually send it to William. Say William? Yeah. Maybe we could just go with Billum. All right. I think I think we have a new nickname. Billum, how's it going? Maybe I just can't be contained by one name. <laughs> you're saying that you're such a big deal. Is that, is that like serial killers where they got, so you're like William, Bill, Will, Sewell, you know, got to have four names. So, uh, isn't that like assassins and serial killers that have the four names? We're not to that point yet, but anything's possible, Jack. Anything's possible. Thanks for having me. Bill does take care of most of our issue reports for us here at Carbline. So who knows where those might push him to one day. It can get a little dicey. I'll say that. Yeah. (laughs) William Bill Will Sewell, tech service assassin. (laughs) All right, the corrosion cell. Now, this one is important to our industry because the whole reason that we're here is to stop corrosion. And corrosion is the number one science in the world today. And this is what I mean. It affects every single one of us every day. It sure does. I I feel daily like my knees are corroding. (laughs) <laughs> Mine definitely are to harp back to last, last week with week, the basketball, yeah, with basketball yeah. game. My chiropractor says hello. You um, could just be old, guys. Just saying. Hey, <laughs> hey. 
says get the, out says the kid in the room yeah <laughs> when you're done changing your diaper come on back <laughs> 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 anyway Billum, what exactly is the science behind the corrosion so basically in corrosion what you have is one metal or one area of a piece of metal driving the oxidation of another piece of metal now oxidation is really just a fancy word for a chemical reaction between oxygen and the underlying metal. So in the case of most corrosion we observe, what we have is some area that we call anodic, where the actual rust is occurring. Another area of the metal called cathodic, where these, these electrons are coming from. And ultimately we're converting iron to iron oxide through atmospheric oxygen. So essentially what we have is a chemical reaction driven by the flow of electrons and the presence of oxygen in the atmosphere. What I was looking for was complex molecules trying to go back to their natural state, but <laughs> we can do that. We can, we can do that too, but I'm pretty sure you guys want people to listen to this. So maybe another time. Yeah. yeah so really what we're, what we're talking about kind of, I'm going to bring us back a little bit in that semi, semi science, semi layman kind of space. What we've got is we're talking about oxidation and reduction action reactions. And what we're doing is we're taking iron ore, and we create carbon steel by tons and tons and tons of energy in the form of heat. We create this carbon steel or iron. At that point, if it's left just to the environment, it's going to rust. That reaction is the oxidation reaction of it trying to lose energy, giving away that heat that it absorbed, forcing it into a different state. It's going to give it up and relax back into a state, it, a state with rust that has more iron ore present or iron oxide in this case because that's the natural form that it's going to go into in the presence of oxygen. I think you touch on a really good point is that iron in nature wants to be iron oxide. Whenever you have corrosion, that is nature returning iron to its natural state. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think there's a movie coming out talks similar about this that nature will find a way to survive and it will take it back over nature always finds a way to break that down we talked about anodes and cathodes and oxygen so let's take a little step further we we talk about cathodic protection a lot when it comes into pipelining and tanks and things like that and Cathodic protection is basically setting up a corrosion cell in order to protect your asset. Absolutely. Uh, essentially, nature is going to corrode something whenever you have this current flowing in an area where corrosion is happening. With cathodic protection, in many cases, you're really just picking a cheaper metal for nature to corrode. So, for example, in inorganic zinc primers, you're providing zinc as a sacrifice to be corroded. Or in the, in the case of... Um, <clears throat> actual cathodic protection, you have like a zinc or a magnesium anode that's being corroded. Either way, something's going to corrode, but we're trying to redirect that corrosion away from the underlying steel, which is the asset we're looking to preserve. And we've talked about the galvanic series before in the podcast. We haven't gotten too in-depth in there, but the thing to remember about the galvanic series is some metals are more active than other metals so the metals that are more active are going to corrode or be sacrificial for the ones that are less active and that i'm assuming has something to do with the electron movement in that corrosion cell right i remember back to my nace class uh 
It was taught by one of our guest speakers from one of our previous episodes back way back in uh, episode seven. We talked with Paul Kennington and he told us about, you know, an easy way to remember that galvanic series, Maz. Maz is always the stuff that's going to sacrifice and that's your magnesium, your aluminum and your zinc is going to be what's sacrificial to protect your carbon steel. Those are the most common ones. They're affordable, they're easy to get, and they corrode readily to protect your carbon steel. If you were to take a piece of steel, connect a wire to it, connect a piece of zinc to it, dip that in salt water, you'll find that the zinc corrodes preferentially to the steel, corrodes first. On the other, other side of this, if you took a piece of copper and hooked that up to that same piece of steel, you would actually accelerate the corrosion of the steel because the steel would be sacrificing itself for the copper. That's how real the galvanic series is. Things on one side of the galvanic series to steel will corrode themselves instead of steel. Things on the other side of the galvanic series will cause steel to corrode faster. This is also a very important point to talk about when we talk about engineering design. When you put two different dissimilar metals next to each other, whichever one of those two is more active is going to be an active corrosion cell. That's right. That happens when we put stainless steel in contact with carbon steel. If you put, you know, galvanized metals in contact with it, those are all going to create different things. If you put copper in contact with it, that's one of the more common ones is you end up with these heating elements that are frequently made of copper. And those are going to accelerate a corrosion cell of carbon steel because the carbon steel is more active than, than copper. Now, one of the tricky ones that is talked about is actually the mill scale that's a part of the steel manufacturing process is actually going to cause the steel to corrode faster as well. Yeah, this, this is a very major issue, especially in structural steel. And, you know, a lot of people are applying like shop primers to structural steel to prevent this from happening, even though they're going to blast it off later and maybe add a different coat. Mill scale itself is what we call cathodic to the underlying steel. Um, in cases of other metals like aluminum, we get a nice tight oxide layer on top that prevents further corrosion. Nature is not that nice to us in the case of steel. Mill scale itself is cathodic to the underlying steel, meaning it will accelerate the corrosion of the steel. And there's an, it's a really flaky layer. If you've ever looked at mill scale, it's not very tightly adherent and it's really flaky. So you have all these holes that kind of function as pits. Whenever those pits get wet, it really establishes an active corrosion cell. And the corrosion can be surprisingly rapid. You'd be shocked how fast some of these pits grow. It really is. And, and that is the reason why we want to get that mill scale off before we put on a protective coating system because we want to remove that potential difference that's there and put on something that we can control better, something that we know and we can we understand its reaction process. We talked about the galvanic protection that is offered with an inorganic zinc or a zinc-rich primer where the zinc sacrifices itself to steel. I think we're going to take just like a little bit of a left turn here and talk about the functions of a typical three-coat system and how it works to give you great corrosion protection along with good UV protection. This is your typical what we would call exterior weathering system for steel. So we already discussed how the zinc will corrode first for the uh, steel. However, moisture is your main form of corrosion still needs to come in contact with that zinc if you didn't top coat the zinc like we discussed in episode 15 and 16 we, we learned that zinc coatings can last for a really long time by themselves but what happens when we put an epoxy coat over the top of it 
So really, when we put that epoxy on, we're trying to protect the zinc in order to prevent that reaction from happening. We don't want that oxidation process to start on the zinc until it actually needs to. So if we can put a coat of paint over top of it, make it look pretty, hold it off, and prevent damage from occurring, area for oxygen or an electrolyte, usually water, to become in contact with it, we're going to prevent this corrosion cell from starting. Many times you'll bring in a polyurethane top coat, especially in areas where you're outdoors. If you're inside, many times you can stop with the epoxy right there. But as we all know, epoxy does not weather very well in UV. A lot of the aromatic rings in the epoxy network are just great at soaking up that UV light, causing yellowing and chalking. So in many scenarios, you know, Paul said you would put like an, an epoxy over the top of the zinc. Many times we'd bring in a polyurethane top coat to protect the epoxy. So you kind of have a three-way system that's very strong. The zinc is protecting the underlying steel. The epoxy is protecting the zinc and the urethane is protecting the epoxy. Everything's double backed up, if you will. That's why when you want to cut out any one of those layers in your exterior system, you're really cutting back on your service life. It really is. And you have to make that decision. Is it better to risk the extended service life of the product and pay for doing repairs possibly earlier in its life cycle or spending the money up front, putting on that third coat of paint and extending it until you'll have to do that first set of repairs? And really, that's going to be different on every job. It's going to depend on where you're at, what you're located on, and what your risks for damage are. When we expound on this later down the road, we're going to talk about cathodic despondment, which is a issue related to using cathodic protection with your assets. But we're not going to get into that now because that's like are I you, said. Are you telling me i got to write another topic on the I board? I think we wrote it on the day? board last episode, actually. Oh, yeah, we sure did. It is on the board. <laughs> So what we're going to do, one thing I want to mention is, and this is kind of a cool thing that's out there that I just recently learned about. Back in 2005, NACE, the uh, National Association of Corrosion Engineers, started uh, what they called the Corrosion Toolkit, or a, a, a C-Kit. And Carboline has been a sponsor of this program since it started. And what this is, is it's kind of a cool little box that you can get, and it's a, a basically gives you everything that you need to set up a corrosion cell so you can do experiments. It's really aimed at high school kids and younger. It's something that I plan on doing with my own kids. I actually recently came across one of these and there's even a comic book in it called the inspector protector and the colossal corrosion fighters. So as you can see at Carbline, we are working hard to help educate the next future corrosion engineers. We even have a solution there for them. We thank you for listening. Billum, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. And uh, we'll go ahead and see you guys next Monday. Bye.